We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Barcelona Podcast. Is here in your ears. It's Frances Tomas from ESPN and Barca Blog and Dan Hilton, a part of the Barca Blog team. We're delighted that you joined us again for another opinionated take on the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Now, I've got my opinions. Frances, of course, has his. And if you want to hear more of them, you can keep listening on iTunes, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Help us by rating us, subscribing, commenting, supporting the show in any way you can with the many deals we offer as well. Let's get started. Let's get right into it. Now, Frances, with Namor out the door, we're going to ask who is to replace him. But we've got a little more on today's show than just that. We do. Um, I think, Barca, we need to stop talking about Neymar. Uh, what we need to do is focus on the future. So who should Barca sign to replace Neymar? Who should Barca get in order to reinforce their attack? Then we're going to move forward to midfield. We're going to talk about Rafinha. He's got a Liverpool offer on the table, and um, he really will debate whether he should consider it or not. And finally, we're going to be talking about Lord Douglas, <laughs> who has um, an offer to join Benfica in Portugal. And um, that should be quite meaty as well. And then we're going to go into our fan questions, which, as always, we're really grateful to continue to get. So let's get started. Well, Francesca, you mentioned those topics. And with what's on the docket, I might have to apologize to all of our Brazilian fans in advance. Because between Neymar and Douglas, you and I have been talking for weeks now. I know those are two names in particular that you are not very kind to. And so we might want to have to apologize to some of our, our Brazilian fans in advance of some of the heat that you may throw their way. But as we had mentioned, we're going to try not to talk about Neymar too much in this first segment. Now, Barcelona have been kind of quiet on who they're looking at, but it seems like different names are being leaked. The number one is one that we had talked about two shows ago in Felipe Coutinho from Liverpool. It sounds like Liverpool have rejected some of those offers, but Barcelona will continue to come back, and they think that... If you lose a 25-year-old Brazilian, well, a good replacement would be another 25-year-old Brazilian. And as Francesca and I agreed, seems like a pretty good idea. Now, if Coutinho doesn't happen, there's a number of other options out there. We've talked about Paulo Dybala from Juventus, but that story has changed a little bit. So we're going to update you here. But the first one we're going to talk about, Frances, is Atletico Madrid's Antoine Griezmann. And while it is possible... This is the one of the names that we're going to go through that I really don't believe in and don't put much weight in, even though I think of the four guys we've mentioned, Griezmann might actually be the best player of the four. He probably is. He probably is. Um, 
Griezmann has been successful at, at Spanish football for many seasons now. He started as a youngster in Real Sociedad and he was outstanding. Let's not forget that at the time Pep Guardiola wanted to sign him for Barca when he was just 17 years old. That never came to fruition, but the link of Griezmann to Barcelona has been clear ever since. He's a very creative player. He's someone who um, makes the attack, basically. He can be a complement to other people. Uh, and we saw that at Atletico Madrid when he was working alongside Diego Costa uh, under Diego Simeone Statelic. And um, now he's the main man. Um, he runs the offense. He's the one that sort of creates the plays, open up spaces, and... Um, collaborate with the others in order to, to move forward. So um, Griezmann is a player that is proven in Spanish football. He is very versatile. He's obviously left-footed, so he can add something that Barca would probably be missing. Then he, obviously, he's very attacking as well, but he's not afraid of defending. He can pop back whenever he's needed. He can track back, something like Pedro used to do really well. And when Alexis Sanchez was with us, um, under the Pep Guardiola um, sort of era that also is something that we've been lacking particularly with Neymar because he didn't really want to defend any so um, it's all about defending tracking back uh, collaborating into the attacking attacking transitions um, Griezmann normally plays as a main striker but he, let's not forget that he can also be deployed as, as an attacking midfielder and whenever needed as a winger so Valverde if Griezmann wants to be signed have uh, plenty of possibilities as uh, Griezmann is very adaptable. Now, the problem, and it's not a small problem, is that Griezmann's um, release clause has been doubled this summer. It has been 100 million for the last two years, but given Atletico Madrid's transfer ban, which comes into place in January, uh, January 2017, then Griezmann, who was pretty much done deal to go to Manchester United at the beginning of the, of the, of the current transfer window, um, ended up not leaving and uh, renewed his contract and Atletico doubled his release close to 200 million so at this moment in time unless Atletico want to negotiate there is no way that he can come to Barca but if there is money in the bank anything is possible so we'll have to wait and see as you talked about Griezmann last June until 2022 he renewed his deal and I think his relationship with Diego Simeone is also a big part of the equation that I don't think Griezmann's going to leave Diego Simeone because under the Argentinian manager, he knows that he's going to be a starter and he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the focal point of the offense. 26 goals and 10 assists while scoring six goals at the Euro Championship with France in just the past year is a pretty good outpouring of success for Griezmann. And while he seems like, as we talked about, the best player of the four, he also seems to be the most difficult to get away from Atletico Madrid. And I think, as you and I had spoken about in the past, where the transfer market has become so inflated with, of course, Neymar going for this record-breaking, astounding number of $222 million, that there are deals to be had. I think there are younger players than Griezmann to be had for a third or fourth or a fifth of the price for a player that could bring in the same amount of goals that Griezmann could bring to Luis Suarez and Lionel Messi. And just in the same way that as we're about to transition to talking about an Argentinian and Paulo Dybala, I question where Griezmann fits in terms of Barcelona's system. And while a player like that who works so hard defensively, who has all the skills that he does, 
you really can just fit him in the starting lineup. But much like Dybala, he's a guy that is much more comfortable playing as that secondary striker and playing through the middle. And I can see that Griezmann would be a guy who would probably find himself a lot of the times in the same places that Luis Suarez and Lionel Messi currently occupy. He's not necessarily a natural left winger. And that's part of, I think, the problem in terms of fitting him directly in at Barcelona and assuming that he's just going to fit like a glove from day one. And now on to number two, I think Paulo Dybala is a lot of a similar story. As we had talked about in uh, a previous show where we broke down the year that he had last year at Juventus. And as you and I have spoken about before, he does really seem like the heir apparent to Messi, both for Argentina and I think in the world. Maybe not to Messi's level, of course, but as being that guy, that diminutive playmaker who, while he does seem like he can be a winger, operating the central part of the pitch is also an important part of what he does. Now what it looks like, though, is that he has not necessarily said that he wants to come to Barcelona, but instead renewing his contract with Juve earlier in the year, committing his future to 2022, just like Griezmann. And of course, that's a huge buyout clause as well. And La Yoja could join Barcelona for $120 million. But it seems like Dybala just doesn't want to be leaving Juventus at the point that they're in, where Juventus, another team going through a transition, you'd think that this would be the time that they could get the 23-year-old to come away. But I think Dybala would be worried about what so many other players are worried about, that while he isn't necessarily a left wing, if he doesn't get comfortable in a hurry on that left wing and immediately basically replace Neymar, then that means he's fighting for his spot behind Messi and Luis Suarez, and that's a difficult thing to ask Dybala. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of Dybala being a better choice than Griezmann. But Griezmann, but at this moment in time, I think it's it's a very difficult point in the transfer window to start looking for someone, you know, because um, we really did think that Neymar was going to be part of the of the squad in the coming year, and uh, it was the first time in many years that I actually found myself thinking, right, we need a right back and we need an attacking midfielder, and then the team is done. You know that, that we haven't been in this position for a good number of years. And to have Neymar turning around and being such a secretive, spoiled, um, yeah, insert insult here, whichever one you want actually applies to, to the situation uh, at this moment in time, then it's really terrible for the club because it doesn't give us much more room for manoeuvre. Um, also, depending on what outlet you listen to, Barca seem to be chasing a different player. So if you listen to Raccoon, it's Griezmann. If you listen to uh, the Spanish-based media, it seems to be Dybala. If you listen to other people, it's Dembele. So, if really, Barca at this moment in time seem to be chasing pretty much everybody, according to the media, and they don't seem to agree on what's happening. And I think the bottom line here is that we've gone into the market looking for a striker far too late. If I was a player at Juventus now, I would probably, obviously, Barca want me, I would go but that's me being biased, but they probably have their hearts and their mindset on being at Juventus for the year, uh, and they don't want to leave. The same with Griezmann. Griezmann decided to stay because if he left, he would have left Atletico in a really disadvantaged position, but that's the sort of players you want. You don't want someone like Neymar turning around and saying, yeah, I want to play uh, in the fifth best league in Europe now uh, because they pay me more money. So it's, um, it's a difficult position to be in, and I wouldn't be surprised if Barca actually cannot sign a world-class striker of uh, caliber of, say, Dembele, Dybala, or Griezmann. And my worry is, and hopefully this will never happen, but, you know, I don't really know what to expect with this board anymore, 
that we don't spend the money in signing lesser players and spend the budget that we suddenly quite probably are going to have on someone who shouldn't really be getting it in the first place. And uh, I tweeted something um, a couple of days back from the at, Barthel- at the Barcelona Pot Twitter account, which was that when Figo, the insert insert here, <laughs> that left us around 10 years ago, when he left, money was reinvested in Overmas, Petit and Gerard Lopez. And basically that was a waste of money in all three cases. And uh, I really do hope that we don't go back to the dark ages of spending money because we got it in the bank. I would say if we cannot sign any of the three players that I just mentioned, uh, in terms of Dybala, Griezmann and Dembele, then we shouldn't sign anyone at all. Give Alcácer a chance and then see what um, the, the winter transfer window or even next summer brings. But wasting money for the waste of, for the sake of wasting it would be a mistake. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Where as you and Diane talked about, and I guess where I differ a little bit is that while I think they should replace Neymar with two or three players, because I think it's overpaying 120 or 140 million euro for Coutinho, I think is too much for a player like that. And I think there are better deals to be made. Even if you're not getting as good of a player, I think you can get a serviceable player for, again, a third of that price. And even where Coutinho looks like he could be going for $120 million, well, it looks like Usmane Dembele, that was a, the fourth name that we were going to bring up, it looks like he could be available for around $70 million, and there could be add-on as, as well. But of the four, he's the youngest. He's a 20-year-old winger, so he does fit the profile as a winger. While he's more comfortable on the right wing, he's also played on the left wing a ton for Borussia Dortmund last year. And he adapted basically going from the first division in France took the step up to the Bundesliga, Champions League with Borussia Dortmund, didn't skip a beat. He adapted really well. And so I think Usmane Dembele is, of the four, I think he's the lowest risk because he's the cheapest, but he's also the highest reward in that we truly don't know exactly what his ceiling is. As we know what Griezmann is, that's the player he is now. You know what Coutinho is and will be. And Dybala, I think, has a little bit to go. But as I mentioned, Dembele is the kind of player that could grow to be even better than he is right now. And to see him transition from French to German league work to success. And I think that if Barcelona were able to temper the amount of pressure put on him, because he wouldn't be expected to be that first guy or second guy on a team. He would be the third guy in an attack with Messi and Suarez. So I think if he's attainable for 60 to 70 million in today's transfer market, I think that's overtly reasonable for a 20-year-old winger that could, again, be that really important piece. So I think I, I completely agree with you that don't break the bank for Dybala or don't break the bank. For me, it's don't break the bank for Griezmann first, then Coutinho. I'd love to see Dybala with Barcelona. And then Dembele is, the I think, the guy that should, they should go out for even more. And I think a lot of the, our fans on the Barcelona podcast, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, have said the same thing to us, that it looks like Dembele is the guy that they want the most. And I would have to completely agree. And I think for you and I, we could go through a number of other options. But when you talk about the kind of money that they're going to get from the Neymar sale, that is what the clubs are going to be asking for. So I, it's going to be difficult for Barcelona to get any bargains at all. Yeah, I just want to make a couple of points just to finish up this topic then. Um, first, I don't see Coutinho as a winger as such. I think that if Coutinho was to join Barca, he would be an attacking midfielder in our, in our scheme. I just don't see him having the capacity to sort of run past defenders, um, the capacity to sort of combine 
and run sort of diagonally towards the center as say Neymar would have or someone who we haven't mentioned for many weeks Gerard Delufeu I don't think we should forget that Delufeu is part of our squad now sure he has been injured and in the preseason and we haven't seen him but I really do think that we weren't capable of signing anybody at this point considering the fact that you know teams have already been training for three weeks and uh, there's two weeks for most European leagues to restart again I think Gerardo Lufeu could be a solution for, for the winger so I think that if Coutinho was to be signed I think he would be an attacking midfielder solution rather than coming as a pure replacement for Neymar because I think that so different players that you can't really put them in the same in the same category you and I both agree that he is that attacking midfielder as you had mentioned that should be the future to Iniesta and you're right that Delafeo we need to continue to remind people that the solution for at least a temporary solution at least of replacing Neymar could already be at the club and it could be Delafeo and that's a big step up for Delafeo where we've seen that his best professional career so far has come as a substitute whether it was with Everton three years ago or whether it was with AC Milan some of his best performances have come in those 15 20 25 minutes at the end of a game when the defenses are weak and weary and he just comes on with his speed and direct approach and offers something different and I think that's his best role but Delefeu is a young man he is not yet in his mid-20s and he has room to grow and this is going to be his first season playing truly playing with the likes of Messi Iniesta and training with them every day so we don't know how much better Delafeu can get once he comes back from this injury which as I said being injured in that preseason on the USA tour kind of put him away from everybody's mind and again not everyone was so supportive of Delafeu and his ability to to defend but he showed that he has a knack for it a little bit more than in years past at AC Milan and if he's evolving as a player as we expect him to then Delafeu certainly has a spot on the team. Now, in years past, under Luis Enrique, one of the options on the wings has been Rafinha. And Rafinha, who has also dealt with injuries in the preseason and really injuries throughout his Barcelona career, and for many of them have been in in quite sad and upsetting circumstances where he was finally seeming to find his footing. But now Rafinha is in his mid-20s. He's been a member of the first team for a few years now, and it seems like he's the first guy that could finally go. Now, we expected it, and you and I have been calling for almost months, pretty much two months now, for Arda Turan to be the first midfielder to see the door, but due to different things that either Valverde is seeing or a difficulty in getting the proper money for Turan because it seems like clubs just don't need to buy him, Rafinha could be sold, apparently, to Liverpool, as recently reported, in the 30 to $40 million range. And I don't want to speak for you, but I would say that this should be a story that we're talking about as a done deal soon enough in that Rafinha, while he may not help Barcelona acquire Coutinho, they have to be separate transactions as Liverpool would like. If they can sell him for 30 to 40 million, that'd be terrific. I think it's a good deal for Barcelona to do with, as we had talked about last show, how good Alenia in particular was during the preseason. Yeah, I think at this moment in time, one of the, the biggest problems in, in, that Ernesto Valverde is going to face is the fact that he's got 12 midfielders in his squad. He's got way too many. And uh, we have been saying pretty much all summer that Arda Turan should be the first one to go. I think that that should still be the case, but it's getting to the end of the transfer window fairly soon, and we need to start offloading players. Not because we need the money in order to buy new ones, which is a good enough reason, but also because of, uh, of the fact that if you've got so many first-team players that don't get regular time, 
e.g. Turan and Suarez and Rafinha, then that is acting as a tapón, which is like a ceiling um, in, in Catalan or in Spanish. It's like a ceiling, a person that it has got your spot before you actually make the team. So I think if the Barca B players are going to be promoted to the first team, then that has to come from the midfielders that we're trying to offload. And Rafinha, if he's got an offer in order to join Liverpool, which is a, a major club in European football, then he shouldn't think about it twice. I think a player of his age needs to be getting regular football, needs to be enjoying his career. And if you look at, say, Mar Bartra, the way that that's worked out for him, he's incredibly happy at Dortmund. He's played every single week. He is beloved by the fans and uh, he, he's actually done him good to move forward in his career and, and, and to become a sort of the main a main person for himself, not just a bench warmer. I think Rafinha should follow that. I think it's beneficial for himself, but it's also beneficial for our club. So without a doubt, I think that needs to be the next step. Mark Bartra, always one of my favorites. Actually, Francis, now this is going back a little more than, about two years now, a little more than two years. The very first time that you and I paired up um, with me helping with Barcelona blog was I wrote a, a lovely piece about Mark Bartra and how important he was for Barcelona's defense at the time. But looking back at it, he was a guy that Kule still wanted to see him succeed. He just wasn't a Barcelona starter, but he also was too good to be on the bench. And I think Rafinha is in, as you had mentioned, that exact same position, where I think at his peak, he's too good to be on the bench, but he just isn't good enough to be an in-and-out, everyday starter for Barcelona, every week starter, should we say, for Barcelona. And so I think Kules would agree that not only do we just see him as a dollar sign, I think is a little shallow, is that he was a player that has been very, very loyal to the club, to La Masia, and I think it's in the best interest of the club as well. To sh- for the board and everyone involved to be honorable to the player and to sell him not only for a good amount of money, but sell him to a team that he could break in into the first team, be a part of a starting 11 and succeed in the same way that Mark Bartra has done at Borussia Dortmund. And Frances, that's a great comparison. And I think Rafinha really should s- work into the same footsteps that Mark Bartra has. And again, if you can get 30 to 40 million for Rafinha, that would be quite the sale. And then you worry about selling off Tehran and some of the other midfielders that uh, Ernesto Valverde is going to find in excess. I think that it's all about players that have gone through our academy, you know, whether they end up playing for Barca until they retire at 36, 37 years old or not. We like to see them succeed, you know, um, even, even someone like, say, Dani Alves, for example. Um, people in Catalonia are really annoyed with Alves now. He has been trying to convince Neymar to join PSG for many, many weeks. And um, you may argue that he's one of the main reasons why this whole situation has happened, but still love Dani Alves. I think he has been outstanding for Barca for every single season that he's been, he, he was with us. Um, he's one of the reasons why we were so successful that I just wish, wish him all the best. You know, He was a professional from beginning to end. He behaved in the right way. Fair enough, he didn't like the board, but then again, you sort of can understand that. Mar Bartra, going back to the previous point, how loved was he in the Camp Nou? Everyone loved him. You know, He's someone who worked really hard from beginning to end join our academy at age eight or nine um, and in the very sort of early stages of La Masia sort of progression um, levels and fair enough he's not playing for us but had he stayed he would be a third one wouldn't he he would be a third centre-back right now I would say behind Umtiti and Piquet I would say ahead of Mascherano right now he's someone who I I never ever wanted to leave but the board decided that that was the way to go 
and uh, we have no choice as fans as to respect that. But I always saw Bartra being a long-term solution for the centre-back position, and he would be our third one right now, if not a second ahead of Titi. So, but that's life, you know. Things things happen, things do change, and we need to adapt. But players that come through our system, Catalans as myself, are proud of seeing seeing success in their careers and their lives. And if you follow him on Twitter, which I do, um, he is very positive and he's always sort of thinking about not just football but life. You know, he's a dad now. Um, he is beloved in the sort of area that he lives in now. He's successful in his job. Um, he's content with life, and that is. I'm really pleased that that is the that is the case. This is not to say that he should come back to Barca, etc. Which I think probably next season or in two seasons time we will be talking about if he continues his progression. But uh, I just like La Masia players that have been ours and in a way they still are uh, at our hearts. You know, deep in our souls, they still are players. I'm seeing them succeed in the future. So Rafinha will be one of them. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you. So we'll transition then from Rafinha, a Brazilian that, again, we're always going to hope that he succeeds everywhere he goes, to a Brazilian that, while we hope he succeeds because he's a Barcelona player, he, unlike Bartra and Rafinha, did not have much success at Barcelona. And this, of course, is none other than the right back in Douglas, who was signed a few years ago from Sao Paulo. And he's only made three appearances total for Barcelona. He was signed for $6 million back in 2014, as I had mentioned, at the start of that Luis Enrique era where Luis Enrique was bringing in all of those new reinforcements and putting his mark on the club. And that was just one that he got wrong in Douglas. He brought him in as this, as this unknown that really was going to shock everybody. And at the time, Kules even said, who is this guy? Where is he coming from? And while he did come from the Brazilian top league, which has its good reputation for terrific fullbacks, as we well know at Barcelona, it didn't necessarily mean that they were going to get a guy that had the top-level experience and could keep up in Europe with the demanding schedule, the demanding travel, and all the different things that go into it. That Even though you can argue that in Brazil, the travel is much more damaging and difficult. Still, in Europe, it's just more fast-paced, and there's a lot of different things happening there. And it's just a culture shock for an individual that, while they speak Portuguese, it should be assumed that Douglas most likely had to learn different languages to head across overseas, and it's a long way from home. And now with Nelson Semedo coming from Benfica, it seems like Douglas is going to be heading the other way. And so I guess the question is, we both agree that Douglas was not a good buy at the time. There's nothing to refute that. But moving forward, is Douglas a player that could see this rebirth and a new life for Benfica, where it looks like he could be on loan for another season with an option to buy? So what could help Barcelona in all this, honestly, is if Douglas succeeds. So I think at this point, Francis, you and I are both agreeing, we're going to have to hope that Douglas succeeds so he's worth as much money when this is all over. Yep, that's it. The, the, the more success he gathers in Benfica, the better it's going to be for us as a club and the better it's going to be for him as a player, obviously. I, I think, and I've spoken about it many times in the podcast before, I think signing Douglas was totally bonkers. Um, this is a player that was playing in Brazil and had been for a number of years and uh, he was not even a fan favourite at Sao Paulo you know but Sao Paulo fan base actually because they came to the Barca blog page and started commenting when, when all of this was happening and, and that's how I found out what the feelings were at the time they were actually saying I don't quite understand how you guys are interested in this player but if you want him you of course pay, pay up for him and, and, and get him and, uh, and we did and as I suspected he was a total failure at Barca 
um, last season. He was loaned out to Sporting Gijón. He was terrible there as well. And uh, this year we've got him back. Uh, he's got no prospect of, of playing. And obviously having signed Nelson Semedo and Alex Vidal coming back to form, he's got no chance whatsoever. And uh, the only way is out, really. So hopefully Benfica um, can give us some money for him. Um, the, the, the rumours, obviously you can't believe what you read in the papers, but the rumours are that he's going to be um, getting around two, four million fee for for Douglas. So we should be we should be fairly okay with that. Um, we did spend six million on him, but you know you can get something back for a player who's been that terrible. Then then you should just take it. Um, I just want to make a little point here as well. Back at the time when um, Barca were chasing Douglas, at the very same in the very same month, um, Marcos Asensio rumored to be signed by us. Um, I think that all the negotiations were finished. He was ready to come to Barcelona, and Barca had closed the deal for 4 million euros at the time. But um, someone in the board decided, no, we need a totally unknown right back from Brazil instead. And we all know how that one panned out. So genius from the board once again. Frances, we were having an okay show. I was in an okay mood, and then you remind me of that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I have to say it, though. It's quite obvious. Like, why, why on earth would we do that? We'll never find out. Why did we, why we did that? I don't think we'll ever find out, but it screams dodgy to me. But I'll just leave it there. So it sounds like the hopefully the Douglas saga is finally over. His time at Barcelona and talking about Douglas is finally over. So we'll end talking about Douglas on this show and potentially in future shows as well as we head right into our fan questions. We've got a good one today from one of our favorite listeners as well in Luis Mazarigos or at LuisM8989 on Twitter. And he asked, will Valverde switch to a 4-2-3-1 formation and buy players accordingly? And while we've talked about this in the past, you know, we've gone and broken down the tactics. It looks like Valverde is going to play a 4-3-3. But if Barcelona have a lot to spend and the right players are found, I don't see a reason why when you look at the profile of the club with Messi wanting to cut a little more inside and Luis Suarez having shown at Liverpool that he does have the ability to be the, a number one as in in a 4-2-3-1 and be that lead head striker. I think a 4-2-3-1 isn't too far-fetched to think that they might want to employ that a lot more, particularly the way that the Real Madrid and the Juventuses of the world are wanting to play with a more counter-attacking style. I think it's very possible and I don't think Barcelona are going to buy players according to a formation change, but they may buy players that have a great ability to play in numerous formations, particularly Barcelona's 4-3-3 and in concurrently a 4-2-3-1. I would say the bottom line is that Barca should be able to play any formation um, under the sun. You know, Any formation that you throw at these players, they should be able to play for. Um, this is a world-class squad full of internationals that know enough football and having sort of experience enough throughout their careers and development in order to adapt to anything. Having said that, I don't see that 4-2, particularly this number, the 2-3-1 formation is a way forward at Barca. Um, that would entail a double pivote, which is a double pivot. Um, and I think in, in the last decade, Sergio Busquets has proven that he's more than capable of holding that um, midfield in a way by himself. Uh, obviously, he's always had support from one of the sort of more hard-working interiors. In the last couple of years, it's been Rakitic. So as long as he gets any defensive help from one of the two interiors ahead of him, I think that that should be that should be enough. So going for a double pivot, I don't think it's something that 
Valverde will be looking at. Having said that, um, it's not that's not to say that it could be a possibility if it ever was needed. But I just think that the four three three is sort of is, is so engraved in, in what Barca is and, and has been over the last decade and 15, 15, 20 years. And that's sort of the way that we've been successful. I would think unless results were incredibly outstanding by switching and terrible before the switch, uh, I would say that the vast majority of um, locals at the Camp Nou would not really understand the thinking behind it. Uh, 4-3-3 is a formation that everyone at Barca knows. The players in the squad are more than capable of playing it, and everyone that's ever signed understands that that's the Barca formation. So I would say changing the from the 4-3-3 to whatever formation you want to go for, um, it would be sort of not a slap in the face of our heritage, but it would be changing who we are as a club. And I don't think Barca need to do that at this moment in time, because let's not forget, fair enough, Real Madrid won the Champions League last year and they won the league as well, but we weren't that far, we were three points behind. And uh, if we had won against Malaga and Deportivo, we would have been league champions last year. So I don't think we can overlook the fact that the difference in in the Spanish league to Real Madrid last year was minimal. And uh, I think... We shouldn't panic in terms of changing formation and changing this, changing that. I think stick to what we do. Let's ensure that the midfield um, combinations and the ball flow and the associations in triangles and the opening to spaces and the sort of pressure high up the pitch is perfected and done properly. And if that is the case, I don't see any reason why the formation should change. We should just stick to what we know but do that better and more efficiently. And under Valverde started tutelage, I'm sure we can do that. So I think we have time for one more fan question. This one comes from Facebook from John Morrison and kind of goes along with that same idea about quality players being able to play multiple positions and being able to fit into the style of play that a quality team like Barcelona plays. John Morrison asks, why did Barcelona find it difficult to sign quality players? And I'll take a crack at this one first, Frances, and say that Barcelona have signed quality players and as recently as even last summer, and potentially this summer as well. Nelson Semedo, I, we know kind of what we're going to get from him because Benfica is a high-profile club, so he's a Champions League-caliber player already. But Nelson Semedo could wind up really being a special player, and we don't know yet. So I don't think Barcelona find it difficult to sign quality players. It's just in with the rumor mill being what it is, not every player that you hear in the rumor mill was ever that close to Barcelona, and it's not always guaranteed that every player that's worth a hundred million dollars is going to be bought by not dollars but 100 million euros is going to be bought by Barcelona even last season Barcelona found Samuel Umtiti who not many other of those super clubs were linked with and they got him from Lyon which is a a bigger club in France but still he was kind of still off the radar at 22 years old as a French center back he didn't have a place in the national team but then by the end of the summer he's starring in the starting lineup in the Euro final against Portugal and Sammy Untiti, as we have talked about in one of our very first shows, he wound up being the most pleasant surprise that Barcelona had for fans in a not a not necessarily a trophyless season, but a, league, a season where you lost the Champions League and La Liga and just had to deal with the Copa del Rey. Umtiti wound up being the bright spot. He wound up being the thing that let Barcelona fans feel like they had the center back leader for the future, when it was time for PK to finally slow down, that Ntiti is the number one guy then. So I think Barcelona do find quality players. It's just that they, like every other club, 
you can't hit on every transfer. You can't hit on 100%. But if you're Barcelona, because of the scrutiny and because of the money you have, you better hit on a lot of those or else you're going to get a lot of consternation from fans because it takes a lot of money for Barcelona to buy any player. Yeah, and also, Barca are not the only club in the universe, are we? So I think that Real Madrid, obviously PSG, given the Qatari money that they, they have had over the last five, six, seven years, um, clubs in the Premiership like Chelsea, Manchester City, particularly since Guardiola came over, seem to be spending a lot. But then you've got Manchester United with Mourinho now, you've got Bayern Munich, um, Arsenal don't send don't seem to spend too much money. Benga um, is quite tight um, and has been for a number of years as well. But, you know, not every player will want to play at Barca. Obviously, the rivalry with Madrid and the fact that it will, it will be such a sort of huge amount of spotlight on the players can put some of them off as well. But also, the players that are sort of braver and actually want to be at the very top of, of European and world football can see it as an opportunity as well. But we're not the only club in the universe. Um, obviously, we've got... Messi here, Messi is always going to be number one as long as he's playing at the Camp Nou because of, of all the fantastic things he's achieved over his career. But most importantly, where he can continue to achieve until the very day he retires. So, you know, some people like Neymar, for example, don't want to be second. They want to be sort of the main man in their team. A little bit like what Kyrie Irving is trying to do with LeBron James in the NBA, isn't it? So, some, some players just don't want that. And uh, I think... You know, fans shouldn't sort of lose sight of the fact that we signed a lot of good players over the last five, six, seven years, and uh, there is no reason why that should change. But not every player that Barca has ever chased actually decided to come to us, and uh, it's part of life. Sometimes you make a bid for a player and they they come over. Sometimes the club doesn't let them go, and that's part of that's what the transfer window is. So you're not going to hit um, bullseye every single time you take a shot, but you need to try. And we would ask our fans to continue to try to send in those good questions. And we're going to continue to try to read as many as we can. So we thank today Luis and John for sending in their fan questions. And we want to thank those who've also taken the time to rate, subscribe, and comment and help out join the Barcelona podcast community. And this week we want to especially thank one of our reviews on iTunes from Matt Lazardi. And we'll read this to you. And again, we want to thank Matt for giving the praise and review that he did saying Frances and Dan are great. This podcast provides Barcelona fans with awesome insight into the happenings in and around the camp. No, both hosts are Barcelona fans. So listeners can relate, but they have a great understanding of the game and of the inner workings of the club, as well as La Liga and really all of European football. American fans need a publication like this in order to keep us all up to date and allow us to keep up with the wild rumors throughout the transfer windows and the entire year. But they talk about more than transfers. They talk about the board, the coaching staff, the tactics of the team, the environment within the team, and so much more. They shout out their fans and listeners and dedicate part of their show to answering our questions. I've been following Frances in particular for years, but both of these guys do a great job keeping us in the loop and up to date on anything FC Barcelona related. I would recommend this podcast to anyone who is interested in hearing about the current state of Barca, Kool-Aid or not. So again, that's a review from Matt Lazardi. As you may have noticed, he sent that to us on the American version of iTunes. But wherever you're listening to this, whether it's iTunes, Overcast, or anywhere else you get your podcast, you can rate us, send us reviews, subscriptions. We'll look at those kind of things and continue to try to answer your fan questions. And Frances, he mentioned it there that all of these transfer rumors continue to plug on. So we've got about a month left to break all these down. And you have to say that it seems like for Barcelona, the beginning of the season 
And that Super Cup, which is right around the corner, has not even been on Kool-Aid's radars yet. No, and I think that's quite sad because ultimately it's all about football, isn't it? We, 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 we like those 11 players looking for the ball, ch- chasing after it and kicking it and sometimes doing things that are quite nice with it, you know? But we seem to be talking about money and taxes and, and dodgy businesses and all that. Um, the off-season is like this, and uh, I am... <laughs> I am delighted that we started the podcast, but had we started the podcast in, say, January, we would have been talking about football much more than we have been. But, you know, I think the, the bottom line is that we are here to provide a service. Everything we do in our podcast is for our listeners. Um, it takes a lot of time from, from, from you, Dan, from myself. And um, it's also that from a personal perspective, I do because of the great support that I've received on social media over the years and the, the great sort of support and, and feedback that we are getting as a team for the Basketball Podcast. So this is something that we, Dan and I really wanted to do for our fans and um, it's something that we felt, not that we had to do, but it was a natural next step in order to get closer to our community because personally, you guys, the audience, have given me so much over the years that I just thought it was the best way to give back. It's something that... I can do is something that I want to do and I'm very happy doing it so as Dan continues to sort of plug away at the beginning and end of our shows anything that you leave in our reviews is just going to make our show bigger it's going to attract new listeners and ultimately that's what we want we want this podcast to be the one unofficial podcast that tells you the truth about Barca that tells you sort of what real fans are feeling but not just we telling you it's you telling us as well you've got your questions You've got different spots that in the future we may get some fun interviews, some guest appearances and such, but we really need you guys to head over to iTunes and give us reviews so that more people can come to us so we can continue providing you with the best Barca news in my eyes in the world. But then again, I would say that with an eye. So if you have already submitted a review for us, then thank you very much. It's hugely appreciated. If you haven't, please spare like literally one minute. It takes no more than that. Just tell us what's great about the show. If you don't want to say anything, just give us five stars. Don't give us four, because four is not enough. You need to give us five. Um, that would be hugely appreciated. But we need a little bit from you so we can continue to give you more. So thank you for all your support over the years and to heading back to iTunes in order to leave a review. It's hugely appreciated. Sounds like a show wrapped up, and it's about time to get excited because we've got a football season right around the corner. And as we always say, Forza Barca. Forza! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.